the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Paul's Doxology in Romans 11. That is coming up next here today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. We have focused our attention all week this week on this amazing doxology the Apostle Paul leaves for us here in Romans chapter 11. Now today, we're going to pick up in verse 33 of 11 and work our way towards chapter 12 and verse 2. This doxology holds for us an amazing look at what it means to praise God and what we praise Him for. With today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. Doxology, part three. We have, for a couple of weeks now, been looking at verses 33 and 36 through 36 of chapter 11 of Romans, which make up a very important doxology, or words of praise to the Lord. They are very strategically placed in this letter because beginning in chapter 12, verse 1, through the end of the letter is what we often call practical application. But of course, by putting this doxology here, perhaps the Holy Spirit is teaching us that there is no practicality without doctrine. We can't practice unless we know his truth and the bridge between them, truth and, and uh, application, is praise. Praising God for what he has done for us. And as we see here, especially in verses 33 through 36, praising him for who he is. Now, when we turn to praising God, as we see in verse 33, we stand at the edge of an abyss. Oh, the depth. It's too deep for us. Where there is everything that God is, his glory and salvation, everything we have seen thus far in the letter. How that men were fallen and sunk in sin. How that God sent his son to provide righteousness for us, cleansing for us and for our sins by his shed blood on the cross. How that we have the Holy Spirit. All of God's glory in these things, here Paul calls the depths. They are too high, too deep, too wide, too glorious. And he calls them the depth of the riches. Perhaps here this brings us a little bit closer to home. Because God's riches are his abundance to us. His goodness to us. We have a very hard time sometimes with the high and the lofty things, God's majesty, his holiness. We're just a bit too sleepy. We're too weighed down by our own concerns. 
until he brings us back here by this word, riches, to remember God's abundance to us. Please turn, if you will, to Psalm 36. This is a frequent way the Holy Spirit talks to us about God's glory. Because we're too weak and God is too high for us. So he keeps bringing us back home to just think on what God has done for you. Psalm 36 verse 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. And thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. We read that and say, well, that's too high for me. I can't go up there. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. In other words, unscalable, majestic. Thy judgments are a great deep. God's glory is just too high for us, beloved. But notice how he adds, O Lord, you preserve man and beast. Okay, now that pertains to us. We're going to struggle on the earth with God's righteousness and his majesty and his faithfulness and his mercy and his holiness. But when he comes down to us, he gives us new hearts and he loves us. He takes care of us. And then we begin to see, okay, I need to praise God. Of course, we know the gospel. So then when we think, God sent his son because I couldn't go up to his glory for it's too high. So he brought glory down to us in the incarnation of his son. And we behold his glory, the glory sent down to us in the incarnation of God's son. And then we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. John said in his first letter, we saw, we handled We tasted God's glory, which was beforehand too high for us. So he brought it down to us. Oh, the depths of the riches. And notice two things particularly that stand out in Paul's mind here. Thinking of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. God's wisdom, his choosing, using the best means to promote our salvation, to save us. In such a way that all the glory goes to him as he works out a plan that has so much intricacy to it. Things like the Jews being cast away so the Gentiles would be brought in. So as the Gentile world expands and explodes through the gospel. And then the Jews are provoked to jealousy and then they are restored. Paul said these are things we could not have dreamed of. And God's knowledge, this is all comprehending, all seen in an instant, all the movements of men and nations, the way to bring salvation to men in their particular circumstances with them, with their particular needs and their particular sins, backgrounds, genetics, and all of these things. Oh, the depth, of the wisdom, of the riches, of the knowledge of God. I have to be honest with you. This language is like the language of heaven being brought down to us. 
and I honestly don't know what to do with it. it. It's just too big. I mean, to be able to fully take this in would be like taking in God himself. And I can't do it. So I'm going to remember, O Lord, you preserve man and beast. So I want to apply this first lesson here, that we are not really dazzled by God's glory. No, it is like this abyss. He is majestic and he is high and he is holy. Well, let's just think, for example, of God's dealings with each one of us, because it would include in verse, it would be included in verse 33, where it says, which you now see and hear. So do you trace out God's workings in your life? Do you even try? The way maybe he began to work in your life in a small way. Somebody just came to you and you thought later how a few first seeds were dropped in your heart by someone sharing with you the gospel. Younger people, do you think, hey, I remember the first time I heard who made you? God did. Probably the most important of any one lesson anyone can ever learn if you do not learn that lesson, you can't learn any other lesson. And God sent parents to teach that to you, that God made you so that he would begin his work in your life. You've had difficulties in your life, I'm sure. Maybe God brought you through seasons of rebellion through which he humbled you and brought you to a sweeter place like Psalm 23 talks about, the green pastures of his word beside the still waters where we enjoy his presence and his peace in our life. Do you think of the depth of the riches of his wisdom and his knowledge in your life, in the life of your spouse, in the life of one another as we have occasions to share or and I fear this is the case with me. I think on the cares of this life, my personal cares, the glamour of this world in some respects. And that makes us forget all the ways God has been wise and knowledgeable and sovereign and powerful in directing all the details of our lives. But he brought us to a place where we embraced Christ and we begin to walk with God. Don't forget the difficulties through which God has brought you. Remember these things. Don't forget the blindness from which he delivered you at certain times in your life. Remember when you were blind? You thought you could see. Remember all the excuses that you used to make and how you would say to yourself, I'm going to go here one more time. But I won't do it again. And you thought you could see. But God came to you one day and showed you you were blind. All these ways and workings of God's wisdom in your life, they're all worthy of praise, beloved. Look at these things. Think on them. Think of the way God's plan for your life is. Take into account your particular propensities your particular circumstances. 
even your particular sins. What are we supposed to do when we stand before this abyss of the riches of God's wisdom and knowledge? But to worship Him and to never forget it. Some of you may have been born in areas where there are few or no churches. Some of you have been born in a time of life in your extended family where you never heard the gospel. It was never even a consideration. And yet, somehow, God brought you, as it says in Psalm 95, where you would hear his voice. What are you supposed to do with this? You are to worship him. Turn with me to Psalm 143. This is an eminently practical thing to do. You may say, worship? Okay, come on now, pastor. I've got to do laundry. Come on, I've got to change another diaper. I've got to mow the lawn. And we put those pressures on ourselves. What did David do when he was troubled and overwhelmed? Psalm 143, 4. David here has been dealing with his enemies. And he has asked for the Lord to hear his prayer. And then he says, when he looks out at his enemies, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me is desolate. Have you ever felt like that? Just feeling like you could pull out your hair. You feel desolate. I'm all alone. Where is everyone? No one is here to help me. Things are terrible. Verse 5, David says, I remember the days of old, and I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. What does David do when he finds himself in trouble and sorrowful? He thinks about God. He thinks about what God has done, what God is doing, and what God has promised to do. Notice what that meditation leads to. Verse 6. Stretch out my hands. I stretch out my hands to you. Now David still has enemies that he's dealing with. So please, when you read the Psalms, remember that when David makes this transition, transition as he almost always does from anxiety or fear or worry or despair to praise, it's not like God came to him like a genie and just went poof. And all of his enemies were killed. They were still there. Job, when God came to him and revealed his glory to him, he still had boils. He still had dead children. And everything he had was gone. And yet, what was God doing? God's ways, God's work, the abyss, the depths of the riches of his wisdom, his knowledge, his plans, his working them out, and how he has worked them out leads to what? Praise. Stretching forth hands to him and calling out to him. It doesn't mean all of our troubles go away. No, it's usually something even better. Think of the one thing you wish in your life. If just one good thing could change, I would be happy. Just this one thing. If I could have this, be this, lose this, gain this, feel this, go here, go there. 
If I could just have this one thing, life would be better. Let me tell you what that one thing is. It is the same thing for every single person that is made in the image of God. It is a clear view of God himself. Clear knowledge of his mercy, of his faithfulness, his love, his truth. Because if you do not have that, he can give you the one thing you think you need. And many people have that one thing and they are in hell. Because the one thing we need is not what we in our selfishness and self-absorption and pity parties think we need. The one thing we need, as David says here, even though I've still got enemies and my spirit is overwhelmed, I am thinking about what God is doing and has done. It is God who brought these enemies here. So he must be doing something to deal with them. God must be going to strengthen me. God must be going to be my shield and my protector. So I'm used on God's words. And I thought on what God has done and how glorious he is. And I stretched out my hands to him because that was the one thing I needed. I don't need the memories to be gone I don't need my health to be better, my money to increase. I don't need any of that. That's not the primary thing. What I need is to reach out my hands in praise to the God of glory and of grace and to stand and look at the depths of his riches of wisdom and knowledge and then worship him. Beloved, we're not as joyful as we should be as Christians. I'm as guilty as anyone else of this. And there's one simple reason for this. And it has nothing to do with our circumstances. Nothing. You may say, well, you don't know mine. I might say, well, I may know them more than you think. But even if I don't know any of your circumstances, your circumstances are not preventative of joy because joy doesn't come from your circumstances. Joy comes from God and fellowship with him through Jesus Christ and meditating on his word and walking in obedience with him. This is where joy comes from. So if we don't have joy... There's one reason for it, and one only. It is because we are not musing on God's word. We are not thinking about the great things he has done for us. We're not with the apostle, praising God for the depths of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge. And not praising God is simply plain foolishness. Why? Because God dwells in the praises of his people. And if we don't praise God, if we're not adoring him, if we're not telling him how much we love him and why we love him and thanking him for what he has done for us, if we are not praising him, we will not be joyful. It is an absolute law of the universe, my friends. And if you are not praising him and you say you are joyful, it is a lie and you deceive yourself. You've allowed the world to deceive you. If you think you're joyful, 
and you didn't praise God this week, you're a living a fairy tale. Because scripture says, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and out of your right hands are pleasures forevermore. You know, instead of our troubles making us complain, Lord, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? I don't deserve this. Why have you given me this life? Why did you give me this husband? Why did you give me these children? Why did you give me this boss? Instead of asking any of that and thinking of ourselves, we ought to be asking, Lord, you are obviously drawing near to me with things I don't like, but I do need them. What are you teaching me? Where do you want me to bow to you? Where do I need to draw closer to you? Where do I need to repent? Where do I need to change? You see, if we don't ask those questions, we're never going to call upon God. And if we don't call upon God, we will never, never, never be joyful. Now back to Romans 11. There's just so much here, and it's difficult to take all this in. That's why there's going to be probably three more sermons on this. Paul says, how unsearchable are his ways and his judgments past finding out. Now that pretty much stands by itself. It doesn't need any long commentary, except we do need to take it very seriously. And the prime reason I think this is said to us is so that we will not give God's works just five minutes of our thinking. You're not going to be a happy Christian if you only think about God on Sunday afternoons. It's not going to work. You are not going to be a happy Christian if you think five minutes of devotions and 23 hours and 55 minutes of doing my own thing is good enough. Okay, I'll certainly give God five minutes. That's not going to work. Why? Because he is, in his presence, is the fullness of joy. It is our privilege, it is our responsibility, it is our joy to draw near to him and to praise him. And to notice here, when we start thinking about God's judgments, his decrees, his decisions respecting men and nations like Jews and Gentiles, would anyone have ever thought, hey, do you know how God is going to save the world? Well, he's going to take stubborn and rebellious Jewish people who are stiff-necked and have been from the beginning. And as Stephen asked about them in Acts chapter 7, which of the prophets have your fathers not persecuted and killed? God is going to take that people and he is going to keep a lot of true God-centered faith in the world. And then he's going to make the Jews the incubator of the Messiah. Then when he comes into this world, God is going to cast away the majority of them for their, belief, their unbelief and wickedness. And then he's going to go with the Gentiles. 
Then he's going to save all of these peoples, the the Gentiles who have been in darkness for a millennia, tree worshipers, human sacrificers, vain philosophers. And he's going to save the mass of the Gentile world and bring in the fullness of the Gentiles. And then those people back there, the Jews who seem to be cast away and forgotten and seemingly have no hope, who are schemers and connivers and warmongers and all of these things, they are going to be provoked to jealousy and God is going to use the blessings the Gentiles are enjoying to provoke his former people so that Jew and Gentile together are saved in one body under Christ the head. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.